0: Uh, what else do I got? Uh, that's it. Okay, let's, let's jump into our teaching series today. It's on the screen. Uh, this month of uh, October, we call GiveTober around here. It's an opportunity for us to raise money for missions. And uh, over the next uh, couple weeks, this week and next week, I'm going to be wrapping up our series of give, GiveTober messages. Uh, but let's today go back to our message theme and scripture theme for this month. And uh, it's on the screen, and it's simply, we go. We go. I just want to mention, thanks to a couple of the folks from Little Current coming up, coming up here. I appreciate it. Glad you're here, guys, and making the trek. Uh, anyways, so let's uh, jump into uh, the scripture theme for this month. It comes from Acts 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. It says, now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Like I said in the first week, which was a couple weeks back now, uh, together we must go. We actually, as a a, a, a family of believers, we must go together together uh sometimes it's like you know we must go down the street no like we actually have to like do sometimes we actually have to put our faith in action actually all the time we do but we have to and we have to actually get up and go somewhere we need to be a i said this uh, again i'm just doing some review we we need to be a sending church we need to send people now this is you know, i've said this a bunch of times but this is the first missions team being like, I know people from our church have gone on mission trips, but this is the first team of people from our church to go out to the missions field. We need to be a sending church. But when I'm gray and old and they put me in the ground, we need to be a sending church. We don't need to be a church that said, "Well, back in 2024, when Pat, like you know, it's the year 2300 and 70 uh, something years ago, we sent Pastor Jason went there and they sent the, no. We th- we need to be a <laughs> In hundred years, everyone's going to forget about me in probably ten years. Anyways, but the truth is we need to be, always be a sending church. If we aren't a sending church where we send people to do God's work, we could send people to Sudbury. We can send people to Manitoulin Island. We can send people to other parts of Canada. But we can send people around the world. And if we aren't a sending church, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's something they get angry about. Pastor, what's wrong with you? We need to be a sending church. If someone said that to me, I would say, you are right. There's something wrong with us. We need to be a sending church, sending sending where people are sent to be the hands and feet of Jesus in another community. Today we're going to turn to Acts chapter 16. And take a look uh, this week and next at Paul and Silas. So in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit calls Saul. Between Acts 13 and Acts 16, he becomes Paul. So when I say that's the same person, if you haven't figured that out, it took me a long time. That's why I say it. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 16 says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. One time I got heckled while preaching. It was annoying. And I was thinking I wanted to hurt that person. It was a woman, so I didn't. But I was thinking, man, many days of being heckled. Nice shoot me now all right and this she kept doing for many days paul having become greatly annoyed this this brother was filled with god's grace that he took days to become uh greatly annoyed paul having become greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit i command you in the name of jesus christ to come out of her and it came out that very hour but when her owners saw their hope of gain was gone They seized Paul and Silas. Poor Silas, man, wrong place, wrong time. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, "These men are Jews. They weren't Jews, but that's what they said. These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us, us as Romans, to accept or practice." The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Verse 24, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So we're going to pause here. We're going to keep going on the scripture next week. But we're just going to look at this section today. There's so much to love about this portion of Scripture. In the paragraph before this passage, we see uh, we actually notice something really neat where the author of the book of Acts, Luke, he actually shifts from write, writing about what did happen, and he actually shifts to writing into what is happening. He would say, well, they went over here, and now he starts to say, we went to this place. So it's a live account of what's actually happening in Scripture. One commentator said this, Luke, the beloved physician, is the author of Acts. Luke was a doctor, we see that in Colossians 4, who joined Paul's Paul's party at Troas in Acts 16, verse 8 to 10. Note the change from they to we. and uh, And Luke traveled with the missionary to Philippi. Man, this is awesome. Like, when you read stuff like this, man, come on. Something's going to happen. All right, so we're ready today. This is a special passage in Scripture. For me, the writings uh, here in particular come to life in this passage as we see the missionary work of Paul and Silas. They are so significant for us even to this day. I want us now to jump into our first thought for today. I've got a bunch of thoughts, so I'm going to go quick. And we're going to keep with the We Go theme uh, and I thought I'd frame our teaching today, our thoughts this way today. Here's our first one. We must activate. We must activate. Going to the place of prayer. You see, I, I, I paused there as I read the first verse here. Uh, going When he said they were going to the place of prayer. Paul and Silas. Going to the place of prayer. I want us to dig deep in this. Uh, when it comes to our walk with God, I want to challenge us. And I want to encourage us. We need to dig deeper right now, today, right now. We need to dig deeper in our faith. By this I mean, and I want this to be encouragement, I want every one of us to seek God privately, more frequently through times of prayer and worship. Whatever you do to connect with God, I want you to do more of it. All right? Uh, some of the uh, uh, guys I meet in Manitoulin in the summer, they tell their wives, I'm going to meet with God, so they go fishing, right? So, like, what I'm like, I, I would not say that to my wife, because she it would it doesn't work that way. But it works for them, and I'm like, their wives are happy, and I'm like, I don't get this. But anyways, uh, it, fine. So, whatever it is, go do it. And, and see, here's, here's the thing. I know God has put this onto my heart, but I want to encourage Uh, the rest of us today, no matter your situation, your time in life, whether you feel like you're busy or you're not busy, whatever it is, let's take time for the presence of God in our lives. Whether you feel busy or not busy, whether you feel like you're able to or not able to, let's make time for the presence of God. Here's what many of us know. When we spend time in God's presence, we are changed. I'll say it again. When we spend time in God's presence, we are changed. Do you know what my concern is when I see people that don't change? Believers, whomever, that don't change? It's obvious to me. We are not spending time with God. It's simple. If we, if we want to change, if we want to be molded into what we feel God is calling us into, we must spend time in God's presence. In the last month, I've been meeting a bit more with church leaders from around our country. I do it on video. I'm not, like, traveling, just so you know. Uh, But I've been meeting with leaders from around the country. And oftentimes, I get asked this kind of question. And someone will say to me, what has God put onto your heart? They kind of want to hear what God is speaking to me, you know, at this time. And my answer right now is simply that we would collectively spend more time in God's presence. I have a, and you've heard me say this, I have a deep concern that we are not spending enough time in God's presence. We are not, we're not, there's too much happening in our lives. You know, things are moving too quickly, but we have to take that time and spend it with God. In our scripture, uh, in verse 16, we see Paul and Silas on their way to the place of prayer. It's, it's something that I've just been noticing different in this, the New Testament over the last couple years. That whenever, it's just like Jesus, when we read about Jesus in the Gospels, he's often going to a place of prayer in solitude. We see the same thing with these disciples, the, these, the apostles, the, the early church. As they're going, they're also going to a place of prayer. May that be said of us in Jesus' name. Our next one here is we must be spirit-led. We must be spirit-led. When you are doing what you feel God is calling you to do, don't be surprised that the enemy will set up a trap. So many of us get discouraged the first time we actually follow through on what God is asking of us. we, We get discouraged, oh, something happened. Well, let's look at this objectively. When we're actually doing what God's calling us to do, wouldn't the enemy want it to not happen? Right? It's like he likes it when we sit around and don't do anything. He, he's, the enemy's okay with us coming into a, a building like this every week, singing some songs, and going home and not doing anything. He loves it. He loves it. When you are doing what you feel God is calling you to do, don't be surprised that the enemy will set up a trap a trap of discouragement, of doubt to make you question what God has called you to do. Don't be surprised. At the beginning of September, we hosted uh, a, what we called a dwell weekend with Pastor Chuck. And I shared this at that time, but a few months after booking Pastor Chuck to come, I had a moment privately, and I was like, what have I done? This is a bad idea. That, I actually thought that. I thought, oh, this is not good. What, what am I doing? Of course, I was really wrong. And so that's why you know that. Just pray that I trust the Lord. Because if I lean on my own understanding, we're all in trouble. All right. Why was I wrong? When I stepped out, so the, here's, here's my example. When I stepped out and did what I felt the spirit of the Lord calling me to do, I often just say yes to stuff these days. If someone's like, hey, what do you think about this? I'm like, yes. Yes. And they say, what do you think about it? I, th- I said, I, I'll say, I think yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Here's, here's what I've learned about worst case scenarios. Most worst case scenarios don't do anything. Well, if we try something at the church and it doesn't work, what happens? Well, no one shows up. Okay, well, we won't do that again. Like it's, it's simple. We didn't lose anything. Right? When I stepped out and did what I felt the Spirit of the Lord calling me to do, the enemy attacked me with doubt and made me question that I was hearing the voice of the Lord. I thought, man, this church has never had like a conference weekend. What am I thinking? People around here don't even know what that kind of stuff is. I told Bridget to make myself feel better because I knew she would know what I was talking about. I was like, well, at least me and Bridget will show up. It'll be all right. Like, I was like, what am I thinking? The enemy attacked me with doubt and made me question hearing the voice of the Lord. My story, of course, you can laugh, is nothing compared to Paul and Silas. They had a demon-possessed lady screaming and making a scene wherever they went for many days. That is crazy stuff. And as I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't have lasted more than a few minutes. I would have been like, Someone's got to take that lady out one way or another. It's going to happen. All right? Now, here's something I want to jump on, and it's very serious. When we think of Paul and Silas, we think of this demon-possessed lady. Was that lady, was that individual messed up? No. They were demon-possessed. I want, want you to follow me. Today, we don't talk about demons. We don't. Some of you are scared because I've already mentioned the word a few times. Someone online has already turned me off. Well, that probably happened a while ago. But anyways, today we don't talk about demons. I wanted to fill in a few blanks for us when it comes to demons. Here's my first one. Demons are real. They're real. The spirit of divination, which is described in our passage, passage, is possessed by fortune tellers and psychics as we refer to them today. We use different names for these sorts of things. But it's the same stuff. Here's something I want to be very clear about. We must flee and pray against all forms of witchcraft, horoscopes, tarot cards, and anything of the occult. If you think it's evil, pray against it. Just come on. Like, if God is real, so is this other stuff. If God ain't real, none of that's real. We're just all blobs floating around. I don't know. That's, that's pretty depressing. All right? God is real, so this other stuff is real. Here's something else I want you to know. Demons are created beings. I want you to remember that. Demons are created beings. Demons are not gods themselves. Now, the devil is the great deceiver, so he's telling his de- demons that they are God's and to tell everyone else about it. But demons are created beings. Demons are genderless. Demons can't read minds or predict the future. Demons can't read and predict human... Uh, excuse me, demons can read and predict human behavior and steer events towards a previously predicted conclusion. But demons... Uh, are not gods. They, they, when they speak, it's not like something happens. No, no, that's not the case. I've personally, now, you may be wondering why I'm talking about this. I've kept this to myself for a really long time. I've personally seen some of these demons at work in our own community from time to time. Some people caught in this form of bondage have actually come to our church a few times. How do I know this? Well, how do you know the Pastor they told me they told me and i said cool i'm glad you're here and i said i started talking about jesus because demons don't like jesus and they start to freak out and they left so there you go how do i know because they told me what we also learn in this passage is that demons know scripture this is the great deception of our age. Well, that person, I love their ministry. They really know the scriptures. So do demons. The demonic spirit in this girl, in this passage, said this. This is what this, the demonic spirit in this girl said. She followed Paul uh, and, and, and us crying out. And this is what the demon said. These men are servants of the most high God. That was true. They were. Who proclaimed to you the way of salvation? That was also true. That's what they were doing. In this case, this message was true. Paul and Silas knew the way of salvation. One commentator wrote this Satan is always at hand to oppose the work of the Lord. And in this case, he used a slave girl. Note that her words appeared to be friendly to the apostles, as though she were promoting the work of the Lord. Satan came as an angel of light using flattery. That's how the devil comes. He ain't the horn thing we talk about at Halloween. He comes as an angel of light to deceive us. Satan came as an angel of light using flattery. But Christ never needs Satan's help in promoting the gospel. This testimony was a hindrance, not a help. And Paul put a stop to it. Arlene and I were visiting some people recently and there was a, there's a, we attended this church and there's a spirit in that church and it's been there for decades. And it woke up again while I showed up. But that's not true. I think it's just there. But I was standing across from it. We deceive ourselves because we think that because something's spiritual that it's of God. Stop that. I know and you know what's God's word and what is not God's word. Use the wisdom and the the faith that God's put into you. I think, you know, I grew up in a world where we were scared to say, that, that thing is wrong. We were scared to say that. I think some of us, I'm getting old. I think I need to get a little grumpy every once in a while now. I'm getting old. It's about time. And I need to start saying to people, that person has an evil spirit that's in them. And we need to call it as such. It's not that that person is a bad person or is evil. No, a demon has attached themselves to them, and it needs to leave. We need to start actually seeing things for what they are. I cast out a demon out of someone when I was praying this morning. They don't even know about it. Because I am sick and tired in the church. Well, we don't want to upset anyone. Well, the demons love that. Come on. When, I, when a, a, a shop of witchcraft showed up in town, I started praying that sucker would close. And guess what? It did. Okay? I'm telling you. I, it's, it's not about the people. We, we put faces. Well, they're my friend. I love them. Yes, and something has attached themselves to your friend. I'm serious. Maybe it's your children. Some of you need to go home. Don't call them. Don't FaceTime them and say, I'm going to get that demon out of you today. Stop that. You're just going to mess them up. Start praying and start declaring, Jesus, in your name, that demon is going to flee. Because that's what the scriptures tell us to do. Now, is everyone filled with demons? Sometimes I kind of wonder. Lord, I pray for that church that that stinking demon's been rolling around there for decades. I pray in Jesus' name that it would be delivered right now and the whole place would blow up in Jesus' name. I'm sick and tired of this stuff. Oh, you got me going now. All right, let's keep going or else we'll all be here all day. We'll go we'll go African style and we ain't leaving until the sun goes down. All right. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, it says this, For such men are false Apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Oh, I shouldn't have put this scripture here now. It's getting me going now. There's these people, you will see them online. They're approximately my age, late 30s, early 30s. Some of them are in their 20s. And they call themselves Bible teachers some of them are sure some of them have deceived themselves verse 13 second corinthians chapter 11 for such men are false prophets or excuse me false apostles deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of Christ disguising themselves remember the demons know the scriptures anyone who takes you away from Jesus and his church, you need to run away from. We have a generation of people. I have friends, I hear about them every week, who post things online saying, I'm not going to church anymore because I'm upset. And sometimes they have a right to be upset. But here's my question. If you're upset, why are you running away from the thing that Jesus loves and died for and is coming back for? I, I, I'm bothered by it. And they'll say, well, I saw someone online. Did you? Second Corinthians chapter 11. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles. And then verse 14. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. If you are following someone on TV, on social media, that is preaching and they have deeds that are not of God, run away. Stop it. Unfollow them. Stop giving them money. Stop telling people about them. Every one of you has told me, oh, I, I watched this person online and I go watch them and sometimes I think, that is filth. Yes, they got a Bible open, but they have disguised themselves. There's people and they'll say, oh, I love their ministry. I think they're so messed up. So messed up. Father, forgive me for not saying this sooner. It doesn't get any more real than this. Be on watch. Keep a watchful eye in the spirit realm to what's happening around you. Keep an a watchful eye i don't care if you're the youngest person in the room or the oldest person in the room doesn't matter do you know that people that i'm gonna get myself in trouble I, when i was a kid i was told you only listen to christian music that's what my parents told me i was okay with that that was fine there's lots of good christian music back then but here's something i've learned people disguise themselves as christians to sell records one of them did that it didn't work and they went back into the secular market and they got super popular one of the most famous people of all time i won't say their name but that person started in the church as an artist deception the angel of light satan disguises himself as an angel of light well pastor i think what they say is good be careful the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. Okay, that was the second point, and I was supposed to be done quick. Here's the next one. We must always stand up to the enemy. I heard this said by a pastor in a video clip online, and I looked it up to make sure I had it right, and it was said by Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. This pastor was asked, um, I think he was, he was interviewing to speak at some kind of a conference, or maybe to in- interviewing at a church, I'm not sure, but he was asked this question in the interview process by a group of people, it, this is in the America, he was asked this question, which way do you lean politically? Now, I've already told you about running away. I don't run away from many questions, but this is one I wouldn't answer. You will always give the wrong answer. Every single time. If you ask me this question after church, I'm going to run. Okay. This pastor, Samuel Rodriguez, I believe gave the best response. He said to this person, or this group of people that asked this question, when they said, Which way do you lean politically? He said, We don't lean, we stand. We stand on the word of God. We stand on the promises of God. And we stand on the finished work of Jesus. If you don't believe me, it's on YouTube. That's where I found it. The truth is, we live in a world where even in the church, I see some people leaning. What on earth are we doing? We wrestle against powers and principalities, not against flesh and blood. I don't give a rip which way someone leans politically left or right I don't care I got problems with all of them all right the truth is we are people of God we are God's children we don't lean we stand and it's about time somebody stood up and actually stood for something and I'm not talking about political issues I'm saying we must actually stand up when it comes to things that are attacking us always stand up to the enemy Church, we don't lean. No matter what we're facing, whether it's a personal thing, a corporate thing, as a family of God, we don't lean. We always stand. That's what happens. We must operate in the atmosphere, knowledge, and understanding that God's Spirit will work through us. It's as simple as that. We always stand. Paul instructs this spirit of divination to come out of her, this young lady. Well, I don't know if she was young, but this lady at this very hour. Church, the power of the Lord Jesus will work through us. We have nothing to fear. He's promised that we will do greater things than he, Jesus, did. That's his promise to us. He said that you, I'm looking at everyone in this room and online, you would do greater things than Jesus did. Well, pastor, I'm old. Good. You got more time. No one cares if you tick them off anymore. They just say, you're old, you're crazy. This is what I'm going for now. Watch out. I don't have enough gray hair for it, but. The power of the Lord Jesus will work through us. We don't lean, church. We stand. We must st- Here's the next one. We must stand up even if it will cost us something. The Apostle Paul, in verse, like we see in verse 18, I think would have been well aware of commanding. He, he, he was a smart guy, I think. He would have been well aware of commanding the spirit of divination to come out of this girl in that place. She was a slave. She had owners, that, and she made money for her owners. He knew that he was putting himself out there. I kind of wonder if that's why he waited a couple of days of the craziness before he did something. The owners of this woman, uh, of of the slave girl, obviously were powerful in that community. Paul and Silas were, uh, as soon as Paul cast out the spirit of divination, Paul and Silas are dragged before the local officials, the magistrates. They were beaten severely. Now, I don't want to understate this. Roman law dictated no limit to how much someone could be beaten. If you weren't Roman, you could be beaten as much as the people felt like it. Until their arms got tired. Jewish law had limits. If you were Jewish, you had, it had limits, but Roman law did not. Again, I think Paul knew what was at stake when he commanded that the spirit to leave the woman. The punishment and, and even the feeling of defeat would not have been a surprise to Paul and Silas. Can you imagine these guys stripped and beaten to the pulp because they, a demon was cast out of this girl? That would happen these days, Right? We cast, I'm just going to say, if we cast out demons out of certain people these days, I'm telling you, something like this could happen. Yet Paul, in, in the midst of understanding what could take place, Paul still commanded the Spirit to go. Church, we need to stand up even when it costs us something. Some of us have lived this uh, mantra our whole lives in one form or one way or another. If you don't like your circumstances, I encourage you to stand up today even if it costs you something. We stand so that the Holy Spirit will minister and move in the midst of our situations. Paul casts out this demon, then they get uh, arrested or taken by the officials. They get beaten, then they get thrown in jail in the back of the jail where no one can find them. Do you think they felt like they did the right thing? I'm telling you, I'm not as good a man as Paul probably was. I would be a little worried. And I'd be thinking, I think I messed up this time. Church, we must stand. Here's the next one. We must stand up even if you don't get to defend yourself. Worship team, would you come up, please? Feeling like you've been taken... Uh, excuse me, let me say this, rephrase this. If you've ever felt like this, feeling like you've been taken of, advantage of can be crippling and almost impossible to overcome in our own strength. If you've ever been taken advantage of you know what i'm talking about paul and silas allowed themselves to be uh, prosecuted as non-roman citizens even though they were in fact roman citizens and that by law they could not be treated the way they were treated in accordance to the laws at the time in rome paul and silas couldn't have been beaten the way they were and of course shouldn't have been called jews because they weren't yet they remained silent in this moment but why why pastor why would they remain silent did Paul and Silas know that God was about to perform a miracle maybe sure maybe were they trusting in the Lord uh, to deliver them well I could see that it's possible did they fear this was the end maybe maybe We're going to take a deeper dive into this uh, scripture where Paul and Silas are in jail next week. But this section of scripture serves as a beautiful reminder for you and I that our Father in heaven will take the most difficult situation, one with no end in sight, no escape, and bring victory for for us and those around us from nothing. Some of you are facing some stuff right now. I'm not going to point anyone out. But some of us are facing some stuff and we don't know the way out. We don't. By our strength, by our knowledge, by our understanding, we don't know the way out. This is a prophetic word for us. Our Father in heaven will take the most difficult situation, one with no end in sight, no escape, and bring victory for us and those around us from nothing. If you're looking at a situation, you're saying, God, I I believe in you, but there's no way out here. He's got a way. I'm telling you, he's got a way. What does it look like? I, I don't know but he's got a way out. We know in the next section of this passage that God miraculously delivers Paul and Silas out of prison and brings salvation to an entire household. God will work in the midst of your defeat. That's so uh, why we're going to sing uh, I Speak Jesus here in a minute, but I love that song. I'm kind of sick of it now, but uh, Waymaker we sang all, for years. Even when I don't see it, he's working. He's working. We, we we trick ourselves. Well, pastor, he, I don't see him doing nothing. Good. That means he's working. Come on. That means he's working. If we saw everything, we'd have no need to trust him. Oh, I can see him doing all that stuff. No, he's working. I actually think it's like, you know, some of you are going to laugh. I told you about when it snows and people don't show up to church and I get angry and I just, I'm going to get to church. It fires me up. Man, I saw those pylons out there today and I said, something's going to happen. They're trying to block me from getting to the church today. I know it wasn't totally true. You just go around the block and you're okay. There's These these people, they're going to come and come, they're come trying to get us again today. They shut the power down on the island. They blocked the driveway. Come on. Something's going to happen. God will work in the midst of your defeat. He will. We must stand up even if we don't get to defend ourselves. Even if you don't have the chance to make right the wrong, we still must stand up for Christ. Here's our takeaway today. We must stand, not lean go to the next slide guys we must stand and not lean be led by the spirit of god not our guts or instincts and activated to see god's kingdom come let me say it again we must stand not lean be led by the spirit of god not our guts or instincts and activated to see god's kingdom come One of my favorite artists, about 25 years ago, Bono from U2, he's one of my favorite artists. He was invited to a church conference in Chicago. And at that time, it was one of the most influential churches in the world. It's not anymore, but at that time it was. And by video, he told all the churches that were watching, thousands and thousands and thousands of church leaders were going to see it. And he told all of them, he said, people are dying in Africa and you don't care. To all these church leaders, pastors, da-da-da-da. Influential church leaders. I went to the conference a few years later after he had said that. And he said, laughingly, he said, I think I woke a sleeping giant. Because the church woke up. And all of a sudden... There was all sorts of help and resources from the church, not governments, from the church, specifically the Western church, into countries that needed the support. I kind of wonder if we're at a moment like that again in the Western church. And it may not be about missions or about humanitarian relief, but we must stand, not lean. Be led by the Spirit of God, not our guts or instincts. And activated to see God's kingdom come. We need to be careful in this country right now. We need to pray for our leaders. We always do, but we need to pray for them. There's some stuff happening in the church I don't like. In our country. We must stand, not lean. If we start to trust in people, that'll lead us to destruction. Guaranteed. Look where we are now. We've been trusting people for a while. We must stand, not lean, be led by the Spirit of God, not our guts and instincts. This is a challenge. I don't know if any pastors are going to be watching this. We must be led by the Spirit of God, not our guts or instincts. I've got pretty good instincts. You guys know that? I've got pretty good instincts. But it's nothing compared to God's wisdom. Nothing. Arlene can tell you, I've done a bunch of stuff in the last few years for our family. I did it. I had no idea why I was doing it. I was led by the Spirit. That's why I was doing it. And it's helped us. Be led by the Spirit of God, not our guts or instincts. Do you know what our instincts tell us to do right now? Freak out. Whoa! You know, you got friends, these friends on Facebook. I've seen them. Some of them are my friends too. Whoa! You don't even have to, you just read the words and you can tell. When you have to click see more, see more, see more, see more, you, to stop clicking it, unfollow them get rid of them we must stand not lean be led by the spirit of God not our guts or instincts and activated to see God's kingdom come yeah activated to see God's kingdom come my grandpa called me out at Thanksgiving because I apparently I said Keister at church a while back. He thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> church, we need to get off our Keisters. Get off your behind. Activated to see God's kingdom come. Do you know? Right now, God has led uh, s- so that some some of our church family is moving on. That's okay. It's not just John and Tracy. It's okay. We all got to follow what God's calling us into. But do you know there's a void right now with our student ministries? If we don't have more adults show up in the next week or two, we're going to have to limit how many kids come in here. Or just shut it down temporarily. We need to be activated to see God's kingdom come. It's not for someone else. It's not for another day. It's right now. I had a dad, I was driving with him a couple weeks ago and he said, you don't, obviously don't come to our church. He said, I love the church, I love your church. I said, thank you. He said, my kid goes to the youth program every week. It's so great that you guys do that. Nothing else happens around here for kids. I said, no problem. I want to see that kid come here every time. He, they do. Hear about Jesus, have some fun. One of our kids in this, uh, in our gathering here today, right now, I won't point them out, was hiding in the corner the other time when I came up here because they were scared of the boys throwing the dodgeballs. I love that. <laughs> not for that. Not for that kid. It, you know, They were scared, so I had to make sure they're all right. I love it. If you come here on Wednesday, it reeks. It smells bad. I have to open the windows, make sure that the air circulates. I've got to think, man, we've got to get this sorted by Sunday. Go around with the Febreze, whatever it takes. I love it. I love it. Why is it so good? Because they get to hear about Jesus. I snuck up here on Thursday night. There are small groups going on with the senior highs. You never would have guessed who was here. I love it. I saw Trisha talking to one of the groups about Jesus. Come on. That's what we're here for. We must stand, not lean. Be led by the Spirit of God, not our guts or instincts. When I went to Bible school, I ate a lot of pizza. It was dangerous to be led by me at that point. (laughs) If I was going by my gut. I still like pizza, so you've got to be careful. We must stand, not lean, be led by the Spirit of God, not our guts or instincts, and activated to see God's kingdom come.